Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Second Timothy chapter 1. And if you're brave and bold, you'll put your third finger or something over there in Romans chapter 8. I want to look at those three scriptures this morning as we're getting started in today's message. Uh, Proverbs 29 will be the first one. Let's go ahead and hold up our Bibles or our phones and let's do this like we do every Sunday. We're going to get into this and it's going to get into us. Amen. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. A.W. Tozer is a famous pastor and preacher and author was quoted saying this, Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means free to do as we ought. Amen. The way God's designed us uh, to, to take freedom that he's made available to us in the person of Jesus and live lives that are fulfilled and live lives that are purposeful, and live lives that are free. Why is it a big deal that we find the freedom that Jesus paid for us to have? Well, one of the reasons that the Lord is opening my minds to is this. Ready? Free people help free people. The more freedom you experience, the more yielded you'll become to the Holy Spirit to help other people people experience freedom and God wants us to be used of him to bring freedom to people around us so we've been in this series this is I think our fifth week finding freedom and the title comes from some words that Jesus said you know them if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth that you know the truth that you know not your neighbor, not your pastor, not, not Billy Graham. It's a personal knowing, and it's an experiential knowing. The more you know Jesus, the more revelation you have of who he is, the truth, the way, the life, the more you know his teachings, the more freedom you and I will experience in our everyday living. This is an important subject. Uh, just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we don't have a little more room for some freedom. Amen? You could be on your way to heaven, serving God, teaching the Word, serving in ministry, a lover of God, know God loves you, yet there could still be an area or two in your life where, where you haven't quite experienced the breakthrough of freedom that God wants you to have. There might be an area where you're still experiencing bondage. Bondage is the opposite of freedom. Slavery. Jesus came to set us free from the kingdom of darkness, from the devil, from demons, and from dominion of sin, uh, empowering sin over our life. He came to set us free 
from that stuff. So as Christians, we want to keep going after that freedom, experiencing more and more freedom. Today, I want to look at Proverbs 29, 25 as our main text to get us on today's message. And I want to do a little different today. I want us to read it together. Just this one text, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It'll be on the screen. I'm reading out of the New King James But let's read it all together, nice and loud. Ready? Read. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now let me read it. The fear or the anxious care of man brings a snare. A snare is a trap. A snare is usually undetectable. It's not so easy to see. And it's designed to trap you. And it's designed to enslave you. And to keep you from experiencing freedom. So the fear of man brings a snare. But, I'm tempted to say something. I'm not going to say it. But, whoever trusts in the Lord, come on, say it with me, shall be safe. The person who trusts in the Lord instead of being fearful of man, which brings a snare, this person who trusts in the Lord is going to be safe, is going to be secure. Can I say this? This person is going to experience blessing. This person is going to experience the care of God, the protection of God. The word safe actually means to be exalted or to be lifted up above the snare. Can you somebody say amen? Right, This person who trusts God will be lifted above the snare. And the title of today's message is this. Breaking free of the fear of man. The fear of man. There is a Bible definition of the fear of man. And I've done the best that I could to put it together as the Lord showed it to me in Scripture. So here's a simple definition. It will be on the screen. The fear of man... Is being, is being afraid of what people think of you to the point where you compromise or conceal your faith to get their approval above God's approval. It can show up in different ways. It's not easily detectable. Sometimes it shows up in people-pleasing You just want everybody to like you, so you change who you are depending on who you're hanging out with because you want to please them. Sometimes it shows up in uh, seeking your worth from other people, seeking your value as an individual from other people. Sometimes it shows up in being timid or, or being less than confident, insecurity, peeks its head up through the fear of man. Sometimes it shows up, a lot of times in leadership, it shows up in a need for recognition or a need to be honored, a need to be lifted up. It's a snare. It, it grips, it, it enslaves, it, it, it cuts out the life of God, the fear of man. Listen to it in a couple of other translations. It won't be on the screen. NLT says this, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trust in the Lord means safety. Fearing people. I love the message. 
The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. 2 Timothy 1.7, I love it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Come on, say it with me. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Think about that. A spirit of fear. It's not just an attitude. It's not just a human disposition. It's not just personality. You, you could be an extrovert. You could be an introvert. You could be a wallflower or the life of the party or anywhere in between. And if we're not careful, the fear of man can snag you. It can get its hooks in you. And we have to understand what it is. And we have to understand that this is not from God. It's a spirit. It's from the pit of hell. But I love 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, he hasn't. What, what kind of a spirit has God given us? A spirit, the Holy Spirit, a spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of sound, sober thinking in alignment with God. Let me just solidify the fact that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Look at Romans 8.15. I wanted to look at that because God showed this to me and I said, wow, look at that. Romans 8.15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You see how fear is bondage? It's an enslaving. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit of adoption. By and through whom we cry out, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. We've been brought into this relationship with God. I love, perfect love casts out fear. Amen? So the fear of man is a real thing. And the Bible warns us about it. If we're going to experience more and more freedom, we have to stay free of the fear of man. If we're in bondage, we need to break free of the fear of man. So I just want to show us three ways. These aren't the only ways, but I want to show us three ways that the fear of man snares people. Number one, the fear of man snares you to man. Would you say the whole phrase with me, church? The fear of man snares you to man. Let me show you in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. It's talking about some religious leaders who believed in Jesus, but because of the fear of man, let's, let's read what it says. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And they lived for the approval of man. They had all kinds of laws. They wanted to be righteous in their own eyes and in man's eyes. But they were scary, legalistic religious leaders. Have you ever met anybody like that? These were the Pharisees. 
And even though there were some leaders who put their faith in Jesus, but because of the Pharisee, it says they didn't confess him. They didn't say Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't say, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe Jesus came to do what he said he came to do. I believe Jesus is the one in whom we are righteous and our salvation is found. They didn't say it. They kept silent lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They loved the approval of men more than the approval of God. Because they were afraid of how men would see them, they were afraid of that, and so they kept quiet about their faith in Jesus, and they, they, they basically wanted man's approval instead of God's approval. Now, to be put out of the synagogue, I want you to think about this, that was a big deal. That was like excommunication. It's not, you just can't come to the house of God. You're out of the family of God. You're excommunicated. It's kind of like that in the Catholic faith. Did you know that? If you're a Catholic and your family's Catholic and you were raised in a Catholic family, I'm not saying bad things. This is just a known fact. When a child decides to go a different way and they become, let's say, a Protestant believer like we are, usually that family will excommunicate you to a certain degree. They'll cut you off. It brings this disdain. It brings this anger. And so these leaders were afraid to confess Jesus because they didn't want to be kicked out of the religious family of the day. But instead of putting their faith in Jesus outright and up front, they kept silent. See, it's important that we understand that when we become more concerned about the praise of man over the praise of God, that's called the fear of man. Have you ever... Um, kept silent because you were afraid to show your faith? Come on, I know I have, right? Joey says twice, right? What would make you afraid of showing your commitment to Christ? I want to show you real quick in Exodus. Turn with me to Exodus if you're a fast flipper, chapter 1. I want to show you an Old Testament example of women that cared more about the praise of God than they did about the praise of man. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had put out an order to kill all of the first or all of the male-born children because the Hebrew slaves were multiplying and growing in number and he was afraid that there'd be too many and maybe there would be a, a revolt and they'd fight for their freedom. So he told these midwives, the women who des des delivered the babies, Kill all the male babies. Okay, look at this. Uh, Exodus 1.17. But the midwives feared God. So that doesn't mean they were like in terror. It means they had a reverential honor, a reverential respect. They wanted to be approved before God. They feared God, listen, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Verse 20. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, verse 21. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. That's, that's Proverbs 29, 25 right there. 
The fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be safe. That's exactly what they did. Because they didn't give in to the fear of Pharaoh, the the fear of a human being, but instead they feared God. They had reverential honor and respect for what God said and what God wanted. The Bible says they were safe. They were lifted above the snare of fear. And God was pleased with them. So much so, he provided for them. He blessed them. He cared for them. Amen? So number one, the fear of man snares you to man. Number two, moving on. The fear of man snares you from God. So on one side of the coin, it snares you to man. You're, you're, you're enslaved to man. You, you want to be approved by man. You care about the favor of man. You want people to be pleased with you to the extent you're willing to compromise or you're willing to conceal your faith. That's one side. And the other side here, this fear of man, it's, it snares you away from God, away from pleasing God, away from the purposes of God, the destiny of God in your life. It, it snares you, it, it entraps you, and it keeps you from what God has for you, what God has for your family. There's a story in the Old Testament in Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. He was a mouthpiece for God. God would speak to people through Samuel. Samuel had a deep relationship with God. And God had Samuel anoint Saul as king over Israel. And the Bible tells us that when Samuel anointed him with oil, which was symbolic of the Holy Spirit's presence and power, the Bible tells us that that Saul turned into another man. He was like transformed. I, I think that would be the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament of transformation, of being born again. Something significant happened to Saul when Samuel the prophet anointed him. The power and the Spirit of God came on him, and he began to prophesy. People were like, who's this guy? He's speaking the wonderful words of God. So King Saul had the anointing and the power of God on him. And God was using him in the earth to do away with unholy territory and unholy people and unholy armies. And when God's people first came out of Egypt, the Amalekites came out and they fought against God's people. Now you fast forward to the life of King uh, uh, Saul, and God tells Saul, I want you to destroy the Amalekites for what they did to my people. I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. The king, his army, the men, the women, the children, the animals. Now remember, that's not like that today. This was an Old Testament cleansing of unholy nations and unholy people. God tells King Saul through the prophet, destroy them. Okay, and so Saul goes out with his armies and he has battle and he destroys most of them. He brings back the king alive and he brings back the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen. And now God goes to the prophet and he says, I want you to go to King Saul and I want you to confront him because he disobeyed me. I told him to utterly destroy everybody. He brought the king back, 
and he brought back the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen. So the prophet, the man of God, he goes to King Saul, and he says, hey, man. And then uh, King Saul says, hey, man of God, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I went and I destroyed the Amalekites. I did what God told me to do. And then the king, king, king is like just waiting for a positive response. And um, the man of God says, really? Then what is, what is that sheep that I hear? And what is that oxen that I hear? And, and why is the king here? And, and, and the, the king said, listen, uh, the people... The people, the people wanted to spare the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen so that we can offer it to God. Do you remember the story? And then the man of God said, listen, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings more than he does obedience? Does the Lord take pleasure in your sacrifice more than he does in you doing what he says? I set that up. Did I set that up okay? 1 Samuel 15, verse 24. I want you to look at King Saul's response. 1 Samuel um, 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Pause. The fear of man snares you from God. He sinned and he recognized it. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. He knew clearly what God wanted. It was, it was understandable when the prophet spoke to him about what God wanted. And he made a conscious decision. To transgress, to move past what God said. Because, here's his reason, you ready? I feared the people and obeyed their voice. See, the fear of man is demonic. It will cause you to begin to question your relationship with the Lord. It will cause you to begin to consider compromising what God said. And then at some point, if we let it just keep, anything that you allow gets stronger. And that's what he did. Got stronger and stronger and stronger. He transgressed the word of the Lord. And then out of his own heart and mouth, because I feared man, I was snared to them and away from you. And then, unfortunately, uh, there's a really bad ending for King Saul. God was displeased, and he ended up dying in a battle with his son. Listen, I'm not trying to instill fear because God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But I just want for us to see that when we strive for in an anxious kind of a way to be pleasing to people 
above and before our willingness and our desire to be pleasing to God, it snares us. The fear of man snares you to man and to from God. And then you find yourself in a place like, how did I get here? I know a young man right now, modern day, been faithfully serving God, faithfully serving God, faithfully serving God, faithfully serving God. But I know him and I know that he, he was just desiring and needing affirmation and confidence and he would look for it in other people. And that just began to grow and grow and grow. And now he's stepped back. He's been snared away from God. And he's going after places and people and things, searching for affirmation, searching to be pleasing to somebody. And when that happens, the enemy snares us and we're not able to be free the way God intends us to be. Can you say amen? amen? It's so, so subtle though. I remember in 2000, 2001 or so, um, I was just finding myself in uh, the opportunity to preach and to teach to adults, not children or students anymore. And um, my senior pastor at that time, Jerry Dearman, he invited me into uh, a teaching role for our Operation Solid Lives Discipleship Program. I was going to be teaching one of the courses. And I remember, I think the first time out of the gates, I just chopped it up. I felt terrible. Uh, I wanted to just kind of go and hide behind this drum kit. I just know I just really didn't do a really good job. And I was afraid. I was really anxious. And after that night was over, thank God, I went and I had a meeting with my senior pastor. And I just told him, listen, I quit. I, I just can't do this. I don't think I have the knowledge. I just don't believe that I have the skill set. Uh, I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid that they'll see me as being inadequate or not enough or not measuring up. And I'm so, so thankful. I'll never forget that in his graciousness and his love, he reaffirmed me. He took me through the scriptures. He convinced me that it was okay, that I'm still growing, that I'm still learning. And that the, the last thing that God wanted me to do was to quit because he was pleased with me where I was at. And in that stage of ministry and in my growth in that particular season in my life, and I don't know what would have happened if I would have quit. See, now looking back, I realize I don't think I was just like concerned about God. I was concerned about what people thought about me. And at the end of the day, that's the fear of man. Because I need to go back to the word and be reminded about what God thinks about me. And be confident in that and where I am and, and what I'm doing, right? But when you allow fear to come in and now you're more concerned about what people think about you, listen, it has a way of snaring you and squashing out your faith and quenching your fire. Amen? If I would have quit, who knows if I would have had another opportunity? 
Who knows if I'd be here looking at y'all's beautiful faces. I don't know what would have happened. Thank God he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, right? So, so far, the fear of man snares you to man. You're really concerned about them over God. It snares you from God. Now you're, you're compromising in your faith. You're stepping back. You might even be uh, wandering over into transgression or sin. You're, you're not living at the level of freedom that God wants you to live in. Uh, the, the, the devil's kind of quenching your flame from God. Third and final snare for today. Here it is. The fear of man snares others through you. Think about that. Right? The fear of man that's on your life flows from your life, through your life, to people around you. We don't realize it, but when we are snared by the fear of man, we end up snaring other people. And a lot of times we'll do that through manipulation. We'll do that through trying to control people. Or we'll do that by rejecting people. If you're not this way, if you don't do it this way, if you don't do it in a way that I want it to be done, well then, you're out. And, and now the fear of man that's on your life, it's ensnaring other people through your life. The Jewish people, especially the Jewish leaders, when you study the, the Gospels, they suffered from the fear of man. They did a lot to be people pleasers. They did a lot to look good, to look righteous in their own eyes when they looked in the mirror. In their own eyes when they looked at each other. Rather than pursuing to be pleasing in the eyes of God. And in the process, what you'll see is that they snared people around them through the fear of man that ensnared them. And I want to show you in the scripture. Um, let me just read a couple of verses real quickly. There's one in John 7, 13. John 7, 13. Just a short verse, but you'll catch the glimpse. It says, No one spoke openly of him, Jesus. Why? For fear of the Jews. See, the Jewish leaders were snared by the fear of man. Now they're offering that to people around them in the religious community. John 9, 19 through 22. Listen, let me just set this up. So these parents had a blind son. Jesus heals the blind son. The religious leaders are asking the parents, questioning them, railing them. Right? They've got him in a room with a flashing light and they're not feeding him and there's no coffee and they're just trying to get at them and instill fear in them. Verse 19, they asked the parents saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son. Well, at least they know that, right? And that he was born blind, but... By what means he now sees, we do not know. Can I just pause? They knew. They knew. So we don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. 
somebody say, I mean, think about that. Here's some grown adults. I don't know how old they are. Son just got healed, man. From birth, he's healed. He could see. And instead of rejoicing, instead of proclaiming Jesus as the healer, instead of dancing a jig in the spirit, they chicken out. And I asked my son. Uh, He knows. We don't know. Ask him. Verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already. Listen, they put it into law, friend. That if anyone confessed that that man was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So the parents obviously were part of the religious community. They were lovers of God. They were going to church. They were hearing messages. They were singing. No screen. Just leaning in. And they said, we're not going to say anything because we're afraid of the Jews. So the Jews ensnared people around them. Listen, when there's a spirit on your life that's not of God, it just has a way of spreading to people around us. Here's another one, John 19, 38. After Jesus was crucified and he died on the cross, a man named Joseph of Arimathea, that's where he came from. Now, Joseph was part of the supreme religious leaders, kind of the religious law called the Sanhedrin. He was a man of prestige. He was a man of honor. He was well known in the religious community. This man, Joseph, listen, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Can I just tell you, there are not to be any secret agents in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. But secretly, why? For fear of the Jews. So here's a man who apparently put his faith in Jesus, was a pupil, a student, a follower, a learner of Jesus, but secretly. Come on, friend, that doesn't describe us. Amen? So he he takes the body of Jesus and he puts him in a tomb that he paid for with his own money. Here's another one. John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, this was after Jesus was crucified and buried when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, why were they all gathered together in a room with the doors shut? For fear of the Jews. Do you see the snare? The fear of man is a snare. But those who trust in the Lord shall 
be safe. I'm going to have Joe come up. We're going to sing one more song and we're going to close. But I think this is an appropriate question as we're ending our service. Here's the question. Pastor Robert, how do I stay or break free of the fear of man? I want to be a witness for Christ. I, I want to move towards God's being satisfied with me, pleased with me. I want to move towards living a life that's approving to God above what people think about me. How do I do that? God has not given us a spirit of fear. But He's given us a spirit of power. Did you know that when Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, he told his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem and preach this message. Don't go try and pray for anybody. Don't go share me and my love with anybody. Don't tell anybody beyond this place about me until you receive power. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.